So again, thanks for allowing me to, to share this evening in this meeting. Um, I'd like to talk tonight about the laundry list in the context of trust. It's just one context, but I wanted to kind of follow a thread through because it, it really helps me to use the laundry list when I'm working through specific issues. And so I want to read a passage uh, from the Red Book. Um, it's on page 404, if anybody's following. And it's about trust. It says, gradually, we learn to trust others. But trust begins with ourselves. We cannot trust another until we trust ourselves. We got our first inkling of trust from our ACA support group. This is perhaps the first group of people who truly accepted us and allowed us to recognize trust. We can talk openly in ACA about our lives without being judged. That said, our groups are not perfect. Fellow ACA members have let us down, but for the most part, we know we can trust our group to listen to us and support us when we do not feel good about ourselves. They also share the good times with us. Our group members celebrate our growth and recovery with us. With this kind of trust, we feel more confident in risking our feelings and hopes with another person. We know that we have a place to talk about our relationships and lives when things get clouded. We are not alone anymore. With trust, we let go of control in our relationships. We can trust another person to be who they are without having to monitor their thoughts and actions. With trust, we lay down a hypervigilant watch for signs of abandonment. We've exposed our false belief that we're not good enough. With the help of our home group, we have faced our fear that abandonment is inevitable. Because we have an ACA group to rely on, we know we are going to be okay no matter what our significant other is doing or not doing. We know that we can focus on ourselves. We have friends we can trust. We learn that we do not have to depend upon a romantic relationship to supply all of our needs. So when I read that passage, I recognize that I learn that to trust myself and to be trustworthy to others, I first need to know myself. And as an ACA, that means admitting and accepting the traits that I see in myself in the laundry list. And I find the laundry list to be my, one of my best jumping off points to finding out where I am in my ACA journey. So now the laundry list never uses the term people-pleasing. Um, but we use that term a lot. And if I read items two, three, six, and seven in the laundry list, I find what people pleasing means for an ACA, at least for me. So I'll, I'll review those just quickly. So number two says we've become approval seekers and lost our identity in the process. Number three, we are frightened by angry people and any personal criticisms. Number six, we have an overdeveloped sense of responsibility and it is easier for us to be concerned with others rather than ourselves. This enables us not to look too closely at our own faults, etc. Seven, we get guilt feelings when we stand up for ourselves instead of giving in to others. So I want to give a couple of examples of how this comes up for me, how people-pleasing has been one of the most difficult of my traits to, to get my arms around and to, and to heal. And I'll give a work example first. So I had a manager at a, uh, at a technology company where I worked pretty effective guy. He was vice president in product uh, planning, and I was a senior director. 
and had a lot of interfaces with the development team, a lot of meetings, um, you know, going over requirements and, you know, it, it was pretty high pressure, stress, tension kind of work. And the interesting thing was his biggest criticism of me in my tenure there, I retired from there a few years ago, uh, was that I was too nice. And for a long time, I kind of took that as a compliment. I thought, you know, corporate culture is dog eat dog. It's impersonal. It's, you know, elbowing the guy next to you. I mean, it doesn't have to be that way, but it just, it, it's, you know, it's competitive. It's fast paced. It's sometimes take no prisoners. So I thought I'm an easygoing guy. I'm, I'm, you know, affable and, and approachable and I like to get along with people. Yeah. Go along to get along. So that's the people pleasing part. See, so, so what I recognized is that what I would do is I would kind of give the best case or the sugarcoat answer when he asked how things were going. And, um, and of course that doesn't work out so well. Um, and the reason it doesn't work out so well is if I'm in a particular meeting and he says, well, you know, what happened? Oh, you know, it was good. We, we exchanged ideas. We, we got made a lot of progress. And, and I tended to not highlight the problems. And so what, what I was doing, he was kind of an angry guy and, and he would kind of have a hot temper. So, and my dad was kind of an angry guy and had a hot temper. So I would kind of treat my boss a little bit the same way, I think, and say, okay, I don't want to, I don't want to rock this guy's boat too much. I'll tell him what's going on, but, but you know, I won't try and get him upset. But he liked to get upset. So, so I would tell him what I thought, not what I thought he wanted to hear exactly, but the better version of the truth in terms of keeping the peace and avoiding his criticism or his ire at, well, you need to tell those, you know, guys, that they need to do that cleansing and whatever. So, um, so that's why he ultimately found fault with me or periodically, I mean, we got along well, I, I was not his bad side, but, but one of the reasons I think I was not as effective as I might have been is because I wasn't as direct in my communication, either to him or the team I was working with, because I was trying to please people when I was with the development team, I was trying to kind of play to them and identify with them and be, you know, sort of compassionate with their problems. And I was talking to my boss sort of the same thing. So, so that's, that's sort of, um, where I began to get more awareness about my people pleasing. And I had this overdeveloped sense of responsibility. So I think it's important to do what others ask, ask of me. Um, if I think it's within my capability, uh, and especially if they're, or close or important, like a boss or loved one or significant other. Um, because I think, you know, what, what they want and, you know, I, I want to try and make them happy, of course. So, but this is a self-delusion and a lie, this idea of people-pleasing, because it's just self-soothing, masquerading as trying to help somebody else. Um, and because my motivation isn't really to help people in the authentic sense, but to help me feel better like I'm helping people so that I don't get upset them or think that I'm going to do something that makes them happy, um, I end up not being successful. And 
this comes from the family of origin. This comes from just being in a family where promises were often made and rarely kept, and there was really no accountability. So let me give you another example. Um, on one occasion, I was uh, watching a family member's cat, and the cat needed medical attention, uh, a, a medication regimen, about every eight hours. And my friend was away for two hours, and I was good with it, but for whatever reason, I got distracted. I don't even remember the circumstances now. But the cat didn't get its medication at the appointed time. And the truth of it was, I had not made it enough of a priority to make sure I had the alarm set in my phone and written it down and made sure that I was going to not miss the time to give this cat its medicine. And what I recognized later is that the person who said yes to medicating this cat on a schedule wasn't up to the task or didn't think through what it really meant. It was just a quick, sure, I'm, I, yeah, of course I'll do that for you. Um, and the result in both of these situations isn't benign. Um, the cat's medication was thrown off schedule and some inflammation resulted. Um, my friend was very upset. Uh, she told me it made her not want to trust me and question my integrity. So I want to go back to that trust idea that I, that I read about at the beginning. Um, if we're going to be, if we're going to trust other people, we first have to trust ourselves. And we, and we first have to be trustworthy. Uh, and it's very hard if you're a people pleaser and you're an active people pleaser, meaning you're unaware or you're ineffective at managing yourself, um, I am not very trustworthy because I'm going to say what I think I need to say to please the person I'm talking with at the moment. Not in all cases, but in enough that it's going to cause me problems. It's going to cause me problems in my relationships especially, and particularly with trust. So, ironically, um, the very thing that I was trying to achieve in these cases, pleasing somebody else, and avoiding their anger or criticism was the exact consequence I got. So in this sense, people-pleasing is really a self-destructive behavior. Um, and I have this, I, I have this phrase that, um, oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we begin to people-please, because it starts to spin out of control. It starts to get, it, it's, in essence, it's not only is it self-sabotage and self-defeating, but it's really a lie that goes to our integrity and our authenticity. So, so when we're, we're in a relationship, whether it's a work relationship, when I'm in a relationship with a boss, with coworkers, they're going to believe what I tell them. And I want them to believe what I tell them, and I want it to be the truth. But if I'm distracted or delusioned by wanting to get a certain effect, then I'm being manipulative and controlling of my environment, of the, the person or a situation in order to get some benefit, whether it's their approval, whether it's a referral, you know, a recommendation, whatever it might be. And it's ultimately why. So as I've worked through the program, as I've 
use the laundry list um, on an issue like trust, I've gotten to see to follow these threads that connect three minutes, honesty, integrity, trust, self-esteem, because then I wonder who I am, who, who, who's the person that's making these representations to somebody if they believe me, that's the false self. That's the person who can't show up or doesn't, can't be relied upon to show up. So I guess um, we can really lose our sense of self. And at the end of the day, the person that I most need to trust is me. I need to believe in me. I need to be able to count on me. Um, and if someone does love us in spite of our or because of our approval-seeking behavior, people-pleasing, then the person that they love really isn't me. And then that doesn't feel very good. I, I realize that I'm not authentically in a relationship and they don't get to know the real me. And I don't have the vulnerability and the intimacy and the connection with others. That is so important to me. So I think I'll kind of wrap it up there, but I just wanted to trace through how I've used the laundry list as one tool to work trust in the context of, of people pleasing. Thanks. Pass.